The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Josh, I'm the pastor, and we're so grateful that you're here. Hope you feel right at home today, and after the service is over, me and my lovely wife, Sarah, will be out in the lobby. We would love to say hi to you and meet you, so make sure you stop by. We actually have a gift for you, so make sure you stop by and and get that, all right? Well, we are in a series right now called Define the Relationship. Turn to the person beside you and say, define... Define. Okay, say it like you mean. Now, you know, I've noticed something today, guys. I'm just going to... Let's just get real. Let's just get real, Okay. I've noticed that today, first service was this way, and I thought, well, maybe it's just first service, but it's, just, it's kind of still happening. You guys are a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing the energy I want today, okay? So look at the person beside you right now and say, define. define. There you go. There you go. And I turn to the other person beside you that you don't like very much or that you didn't pay any attention to and say, the relationship. All right, if I get good energy, like we'll, we'll get out of here quicker today. Maybe you, we'll, you'll, I get some feet, we'll have a good old time. So, so give me some feedback this morning, all right? We're talking about the, yes, there you go. We're talking about relationships and, uh, and, how, and how relationships are a big deal and how we, we need to define our relationships based on the word of God because who better to know how to have relationship than the person who created us and established relationships in this world, which is God. So, so we're looking at scripture, we're looking at the Bible to help us determine and define the relationships of our life because every relationship needs healthy definition. And so we started off this series by talking about the goal of relationships. And, and I'll see if you guys remember, the goal of relationship is to lead with, is to lead with, love. to lead with love. That a lot of people, they chase after happiness in relationship. And the problem is if you chase after hap- happiness, you'll never have it. But, but if you set the goal in your relationship to be Uh, to love the other person in the same way that Jesus loved you, which he loved you uh, at at your worst, he was at his best, and we're called to love like that. If you'll make that the pursuit of your heart in relationship or the pursuit of what you want in relationship is to love other people, then, then happiness can be acquired. Happiness is attainable, but it's not attainable if that's the goal of relationship. The goal of relationship is to lead with love. Last week, we talked about the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you, that God... And that's just amazing, right? That God wants to have a relationship with you. Like he, God really is real and he really doesn't want to have a relationship with you. Not a religion, a relationship. And you can have that relationship if you pursue it, but you got to pursue it. Just like any other relationship in life, if you want relationships with people, you have to pursue those relationships. In the same way, you got to pursue God. He's pursued you. He's taken a thousand steps towards you. And if you'll take some steps towards him, you can have a close friendship. That's what we said. You can have a close friendship with God. Today, I want to talk to you about friends with friends is what I'm calling this message. I want to talk to you about the friendships of your life, how to, how to attain the kind of good godly friendships that I believe God has for you. And, and, and of equal importance to that, in fact, maybe of more importance to that is how to be a good friend. Listen, so often in the church world, when we talk about friendships, it seems like the emphasis is on, you know, you finding the right friend. But realize this, you're never going to find the right friend if you're the wrong friend. Like you're not going to have good friendships if you're a bad friend. It's just not going to happen. Like imagine, think about this with me, okay? I want you to imagine for a moment that, 
that you, uh, you, you find somebody and, and let's say that there's a person, okay, let's, say, let's put it this way. There's a person and they want to be friends with you, but they are a terrible person, <laughs> like a terrible friend. They're moody, they're wishy-washy, they're, they're prone to anger, prone to fits of rage, like they, they, they just, they're, they're just not a good friend at all. And they, they see you and they identify in you something that they see that's good. You're a good friend. And they're like, oh, I want to be friends with them. They, they, they love, they put love first and they, they, they're, they're peaceable and they're, they're good. So I want to be friends with them. And, and then imagine that God comes to you and he says, well, I know that like they're a terrible friend, but they found a good friend in you. So sorry, you got to be friends with them. Like that would be awful, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Yes. Okay, so, so here's, here's my point. Like, God's not gonna punish somebody else by making them your friend if you're a bad friend. You guys track with me? Like if you're some terrible friend, God's not gonna give you good friends. He would be a bad steward and he's not. Okay, so if you want good friends, you gotta be a good friend. In fact, the Bible says it like this in Proverbs 18, 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. Friendly there means kind, considerate, unselfish, and loyal. So the Bible says if you want good friends, you gotta be kind and considerate and unselfish and loyal. Here's my question for you this morning. Are you? How are you doing with that? Are you, are you kind? Are you unselfish? Are you loyal? Are, is that the kind of person you are? Here, here's where I'm getting at, okay? The answer to your friendship problem may not be in that other person changing. It may not be in you just finding some new friends. It, listen, it starts with you. You gotta look at yourself. In fact, this is how God kind of put it to me this week. Focus on becoming the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. I'll say it again. Focus on becoming the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. Your goal should be the kind of friend you want to have. That's the goal here. And this is so important to your life because understand, friendship is like the base level of all relationships. Like if you cannot be a good friend, you're not going to be a good boyfriend. If you can't be a good friend, you're not going to be a good girlfriend. If you can't be a good friend, you're not going to be a good spouse. If you can't be a good friend, you're not going to be a good parent. Because friendship is like the, it's like the foundation, the base level relationship that you got to figure out how to do this the right way, how to do it in a God honoring way. If if you can't be considerate and unselfish and and loyal and kind, if you can't do that, you're going to struggle in relationships. You're just gonna, but if you can be those things, listen, you're going to have incredible friendships and you're going to have an incredible life because of that. Because listen, your destiny is tied to your relationships. Your destiny is tied to your relationships. The Bible says it like this in Proverbs 13, 20. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and suffer harm. The people that you're running with are affecting your life and they're affecting the future of your life. There's two promises in this verse. The first one is this. It says, walk with the wise and you become wise. If you walk with wise people, you're gonna become a wise person. Uh, you, you probably heard that, that, that saying before that you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. In fact, they say that you are the average of the, of the, the five closest friends of your life. So think about that for a moment. <laughs> if there's one of those five that you're really close to and you're going, man, I think they're skewing the average a little bit, you may want to work on that. 
but, but you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. They affect your life. And here's how they can affect your life. Look at the second promise. Associate with fools and you're gonna suffer harm. If you hang around with the wrong, the wrong kind of people, it's gonna hurt you. It's gonna do damage to your life. You cannot, you cannot fulfill God's purpose for your life with the wrong friendships, with the wrong relationships. This is for everybody. This is for married couples. This is for you students in the room today. This is wherever you find yourself today, you can get something out of this today. So, so get out your notes. You got notes, get them out. Take notes this morning, write stuff down. If you're taking notes, good for you. If you're not, what's wrong with you? Take notes, <laughs> take some notes. But so, so let's talk about this, okay? Because I don't want you to suffer harm. I want you to be in relationships that are gonna build you up. They're gonna move you forward. They're gonna help you to step into all that God has for you. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, let me talk about, I wanna talk about three cultural misconceptions that we have when it comes to friendships that I think really shape our, our friendships. And I think actually these cultural misconceptions can actually isolate us from the friendships God has for us. Okay, here's the first one. If you're taking notes, write these down. The more, the merrier. There's a cultural misconception that I just need more friends. The happiest people are the people with the most friends. I just need more friends. If I had more friends, I'd be happier. Listen, that is a cultural misconception. It's actually a cultural lie. In fact, there's, there's a, uh, I was reading this week about, there's this problem that's starting to pop up today in the world we live in, and it's called crowded loneliness. And it's, it's, this, it's this deal where we, we're so crowded in our life that we actually, we're actually lonely. And so here's the idea. Typically, the, the average person has 35 uh, relational connections in their life. The average American person. Uh, the average churchgoer, like you today, has about 45. So the average person who goes to church has about 10 more than the average American. Some people have more, some people have less. This is the average. Now, here's, here's the problem with that. Um, the average person can only handle about five close relationships. And yet we live in a world today where uh, the world measures our status by the number of connections, the number of relationships we have. Like we, we look at people and then, you know, it's like how many Twitter followers do they have? How many Facebook fans do they have? How many Instagram followers do they have? Like this is something that we kind of consider to be great. And so here's what happens. Here's the problem with this. This way of thinking has led to lots of shallow relationships and very few deep connections. And so we're chasing, we're trying to juggle all these relationships and we end up just having a bunch of shallow relationships where we never actually go to places that help us in life, that shape us in life in a godly way. We have these shallow relationships and we miss out on the deeper things and the close relationships that God has called us to. And so I, as I was kind of processing this this week, I started thinking about Jesus. That's a, that's a good thing to do. It's kind of the whole point of this thing, Right? You know, we're called, we're Christians, right? Christians are Christ followers. We're called to model our life after the life of Jesus. And so I just started thinking, okay, well, how did Jesus, how did, what did his friendships look like? And, and what I see in the life of Jesus, if you start to read the gospels, is you're gonna see that Jesus had a lot of relational connections, but his friendships were in layers. Let me break this down for you, okay? First of all, you read through the gospels, you're gonna see that Jesus had crowds around him. And the crowds could be huge. I mean, they could go from anywhere from five to 10 to maybe 20, 25,000 people at certain times. There's, there's times that Jesus is feeding the 5,000, that it says there were 5,000 men there. It doesn't list the women and children. We, there could have been 20, 25,000 people there that day. Huge crowds. So there were crowds like that around Jesus. But then there was, the, there was a, a, a group of about 70 people that followed him around during most of his ministry. 
Out of that group, there was a group of 12. We know them as the 12 disciples that followed him around. They had more access to him. But even out of that group, there were three, Peter, James, and John. And they got to go to some places that not everybody else got to go to. They had access to Jesus that not everybody else had with Jesus. And what I want you to see is that Jesus had an understanding that we need to have today. See, Jesus realized that when he was here on this earth in in, in bodily form, he could not have a deep relationship with everybody. I think Jesus was was very aware of, of his relational limitations. And so he didn't try to be friends with everybody. He didn't try to go to those deep places with everybody. He, he had layers of his relationships and he had just a few people that he was connecting with. Now, the question is, do you understand your relational limitations? I think one of the reasons why we, we sometimes find ourselves in these places where we try to have all these different relationships because we don't understand that we can't really walk in relationship the way God's called us to, trying to pursue it in that way. You, you gotta have just a few just a few people. Listen, you don't need more friends. You need the right friends. More friends, that, that lie, the more the merrier. That's not true. You need the right friends. You don't need a huge squad. You just need the right squad. You need the right people around you that you can go to those deeper places with, those close friends. I'm not saying be mean to people, okay? Don't, don't hear that. I'm not saying that you got your three friends, everybody else, you, you thumb your nose up at them. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you need to identify who the close relationships God's called you to have in your life are, and then you need to invest in those relationships and pursue those relationships. Here's another cultural misconception. The only friends I have are family. The only friends I need are family. Some people actually, uh, they actually isolate themselves in their family. We, we have, you know, what happens is we, we have, we get a family and, you know, you have, you get married and, and then you get some kids and you see the world around you and all the darkness that exists in this world. And we start going, whoa, okay, I need to kind of guard this little thing I've got here and protect this from this world because this world is a bad place. And I don't want that getting on this. So I, I got to kind of protect this. Now, listen, I, I want you to understand something. I'm not, I'm big on protecting my family. I'm big on protecting my time with my children. I'm big on protecting my time with my spouse, with my wife. But if, but if we're not careful, we, we actually isolate ourselves from the world and we keep the world from seeing the light that's in us that we're called to bring into the world. How, how's the world gonna know what a marriage can be and can look like if they can't see yours? How, how is the world gonna know what, what, what it looks like to, to parent children in a godly manner if they can't see what's going on with you and your family. Ma- Matthew 5 verse 16 says this. This is the message translation. It says that we're to keep an open house. We're to be generous with our lives. Now look at what it says here. By opening up to others, check this out, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous father in heaven. Now, I'm not saying you're, you, know, you have to live like a gypsy and your house has to be just open all the time. I'm just saying that, are, are you open at all? Are you letting people into your world? Or, or let me ask you this, what's the motivation for you not being open to the world? Because if it's fear, it's wrong. If you're looking at the world around you and saying, I gotta protect my family from this and this is dangerous and I, I, I gotta keep them from all that, that's, that's fear-based. That's not, fa- that's not walking by faith. The, the problem in the world is darkness. And how do we fix darkness? We shine light. Light's not afraid of the darkness. We gotta, be, we, gotta, we gotta live a life of faith. And let me just tell you, I've been guilty of this. Me and Sarah have been guilty of this. A few years ago when we were at Gateway Church before New Song, 
we had had David Terry and Kaylee who are here this morning. David's our worship pastor. Kaylee's his wife. They were, they were uh, engaged at the time. And we had them over to our house for dinner that night. And uh, we were playing games and hanging out. And by the way, David that night was on the keto diet. And this is before I knew anything about it. And so he actually ate just queso with a spoon. And I was like, what is wrong with this guy? <laughs> now I get it a little bit more, I guess. But anyways, um, but we had a great time with them. And, uh, and so later, David was actually at Gateway and he was talking to another one of the pastors at Gateway and he, somehow it came up. I'm, you know, David was bragging about how he gets to hang out with me all the time and you know how that is. <laughs> Just kidding. But, but he was talking to this guy and this other pastor and he, somehow it came up that they were at our house and, uh, and this pastor said to David, he was like, you got to go to the Blunt's house? Like nobody gets to go to the Blunt's house. And David told me about this later. And when he told me about it, we kind of laughed it off. And then I got in my car and I was driving home that night and I really felt the Lord kind of asked me the question, like, are you okay with that? Are you okay with the, 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 the concept that people have of your family is nobody gets to be around them? Nobody gets to hang out with them? We're, we're to keep an open house. I, I'm called to be light in this world. And, and that verse tells us, it says, will prompt people to open up with God through our life. So my question to you is, are, are, you, are you keeping up with us? I think you have to ask yourself. I think you need to, open, you need to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, am, am I open enough in my life to what you want to do and the light that you want to shine through my family? You can't isolate yourself just with your family. You need other people around you and the world needs to see your example. Here's number three. Uh, this is a misconception. Screen time and FaceTime are equal. Now, even that, like I have to clarify because FaceTime is like a whole nother thing. But, but when I talk about FaceTime, I'm talking about like an actual interaction between two people, living people face to face, not like a cyber connection. I'm talking about really being present with another human soul in, in the same room across a table or whatever, connecting with each other. Like we live in a very unique world. Like no one has lived in a world like we live in today where we have so many connections and yet we're, we're not really connecting. And we, we live in a world today where like you can, people can know everything that's going on in your life in the moment all the time. Like they can know where I'm eating and who I'm eating with and what I'm thinking about while I'm eating. Like in the, in the moment that it's happening, we've given, like we've totally given people a form. And so we think based on that, we think, we're very connected, but the truth is we're not. We may be, you know, electronically connected, but we're not actually emotionally uh, and, and relationally connected like we should be. And what I want you to see in, in these, these misconceptions lead us to isolation, but God has called us to be connected. God has called us to have real friendships. Listen, you need real friends, when I look at the Bible, when I look at the book of Acts in the New Testament church, I see a bunch of people that are connecting with each other to build the kingdom of God. They are taking the gospel message and as a family, as the body of Christ, as a church together, arm in arm, they're going out and changing the world and making a huge impact on the world. And that is what God has called us to. He hasn't called us to isolation. He's called you to be connected. He's called you to have some close friends. So I wanna give you three things this morning, three benefits 
leads to close friendships. Three reasons why you need to have some close friends. And then I'll give you some four things at the end to kind of help you step into that. All right, here's some three benefits to, to godly friendships. Number one is this, godly friendships revive us. Godly friendships revive us. In 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, there's a story about Elijah. And if you were here, uh, we, the beginning of this year, we did a series called Like Never Before. And in that series, I talked about thinking like never before. And I told you the story of Elijah. And I wanna talk about that story again, but I wanna show you uh, what happened in this story, why I believe what happened in this story happened in this story. Now, to catch you up, uh, Elijah is this incredible prophet, man of God. God used him to do amazing things. He's like the Chuck Norris of the Bible, okay? And, 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 he, and so this queen Jezebel is mad at him. She's angry with him. And so she sends a messenger to him to tell him that she's going to kill him. Now this comes just like a day after uh, God shows up on Mount Carmel and consumes this altar and does this incredible, incredible miracle. And, and just a, a little bit after that, Queen Jezebel sends him this message and he gets it and he gets faith for the message. He puts his faith in it. He gets a vision for this message and it sends him running in terror. Now what I want to show you is why I believe he was willing to grab onto that message. What happened that led him to grabbing onto that message and really running? Look at this. First Kings 19 verse 4 says this. Then he went on. So this is, he's, he's leaving. He's, he's running. He's hiding. He went on. Notice this next word. Alone. Everybody say alone. Into the wilderness. Traveling all day. He sat down under a, notice this word here, solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Notice the language in these, these verses. Verse 9 it says this. Actually God says this to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down the altars and killed every one of your prophets. Now look at what it says next. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. Why, why did this amazing prophet, Elijah, why was he willing to grab onto this, this lie of the enemy and run? Why? Because he felt like he was alone. He didn't have anybody. As I was reading this this week, I was just thinking, you know, had I been there, I think I could have I helped him out. And I'm not saying I'm the perfect friend, but had I been there and this messenger comes and says, hey, Jezebel's gonna kill you, I would have been like, whatever. Like, Elijah, you remember yesterday? That whole, you know, consuming of the altar thing? We good, man. I ain't worried about, if she, this girl ain't gonna kill you. If she wanted to kill you, she would have sent an assassin, not a messenger. She's just trying to scare you. But you don't have to be afraid of her. You're the man of God. She's a wicked. You think God's going to let this wicked, evil woman destroy you? That's, that's crazy. We got nothing. We good, Elijah. We good. But, but I wasn't there. And nobody was. He didn't have anybody that could speak life into him, that could revive him. And so he believed the lie and he went running in the wrong direction. And, and, and so... What, what does God do? Well, God looks at this situation and he provides for Elijah what he needs in the form of a friend named Elisha. And Elisha shows up and he steps into Elijah's story. And what you see moving forward in scripture is that Elijah's story gets totally revived. We see him move on and go on to do incredible things for God after he gets this relationship. And not only is it a benefit to Elijah, uh, Elijah's relationship with Elijah is a benefit to him. And there's this incredible friendship that takes place. Godly relationships revive us. And my question for you today is maybe you find yourself in a place where you're kind of worn out and tired and stressed out and overwhelmed and maybe ready to throw in the towel. 
Maybe the answer for you is going to come in the form of a godly friendship. Maybe God wants to bring somebody into your life that revives your story and helps you to step into the next chapters of your story with the faith you need to accomplish everything that God has for you. Godly friendships revive us. I believe God wants to surround you with incredible friends, friends that are going to build you up, friends that together with them, you're going to move on to the bigger and better things that God has for you. Godly friendships revive us. Here's the second benefit to godly friendships. Godly friendships sharpen us. Godly friendships sharpen us. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Okay, in order for iron to sharpen iron, there has to be friction. There has to be resistance. There's got to be some sparks that fly from time to time in order for, for iron to sharpen iron. If that's going to take place, there's got to be some friction. And, and I believe in our relationships that we need some friction and some resistance from time to time. That God wants to, to bring some relationships in our life that, that, that produce godly friction, godly resistance that helps us to be strengthened. You know, you, you think about like in the physical, resistance training, when you're lifting weights, what happens? You, it produces more strength in you. In the same way, I believe God wants to surround you with some people who, who speak godly counsel in you, who remind you of what the word of God says, who sometimes come at you and maybe it rubs you the wrong way in the moment, but it, because it's God's word, it's the right thing and it's actually helping to sharpen you so you can do what God's called you to do. People who are willing to speak the truth to you, even if it hurts sometimes. The Bible says this in Proverbs 27, 6, it says faithful. Everybody say faithful. Faithful, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Now, when it says wounds there, it's not talking about a death blow. <laughs> this isn't like, you know, you're not being a faithful friend if you're lopping the head off of your friends. Like that's not, that, that word wounds there actually means a slight bruise. So this isn't a death blow. It's just like a, you know, something that kind of, it, it, maybe it bothers you a little bit, but it's not going to kill you. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Here's another way of saying it. It's better to be slapped with the truth than kissed with a lie. You need some friends in your life sometimes that can say a, this to you. You ready for this? You need some people who from time to time can say to you, no, no. Who in your life has permission to say no? Who have you given in your life permission to say no to you? Now, if you're, if you're in here, I see a few kids in here. You're in here this morning. You're a kid. Let me tell you who has permission to, sell, to tell you no, mom and dad, okay? <laughs> they get to tell you no. God's put them in that place, and your, your job is to honor them and obey them. That's your role. But, but here's what happens is sometimes we grow up, and we become adults, and we're adulting. And now, nobody gets to tell me no. I'm all grown up. I'm all grown up, and I'm grown up. And you can't tell me no, Right? Let me just tell you, if you've arrived at a place in your life where you're all grown up and nobody gets to tell you no anymore, you've arrived at a very dangerous place. You need some people in your life who from time to time can come to you and say, no, don't do that. Don't say that. Don't post that. Don't wear that. Amen. But it's good, right? Sometimes you're blind. You need a coach. You need an outside perspective to speak some truth into you with some love. Somebody can say no. Listen, I've got people in my life that, that I've given permission to say no. I've got a board of, of elders that help me in my life. I oversee this, help me oversee this church, but not just this church, but actually my life. They get to determine how many times I stand up here and preach to you in a year. 
They get to determine how many times I go out to dinner with people within the church within a year. They get to determine how, how, what my schedule looks like. I, I submit that to them. And if they say no, it's a no. And I need that. I need some people to come along that want to protect me, want to watch out for me, that are willing to, because I know they love me, to say no. Listen, there's people in your life and if they're telling you no or if they're saying stuff to you, like really look at the situation. And if they're a good friend that loves you, quit getting so offended. Like we get so offended sometimes. Sometimes people, they're telling you no because they're out for your good, not for your bad. So quit getting so hurt. Amen? Amen. We need godly friendships who say no. Who can say no to you? You need some no's in your life. Uh, These no's, listen, they sharpen you. That godly resistance, it sharpens you. It it comes along where you have some dull edges. That that resistance comes and it begins to to knock off those dull edges and sharpen those. Because listen, a sharp you is the best you. You want to be sharp for your family, for the church, for the kingdom of God, for 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 your children. You need to be sharp. And godly friendships will help sharpen you. Here's number three. Third benefit to godly friendships. Godly friendships help heal us. God, There's some healing that God wants to bring to your life that will only come through some relationships God wants to bring to your life. There's a story in 2 Kings chapter five and it actually involves who we talked about earlier, Elisha. But really the story is about a guy named Naaman. And Naaman was the captain of the Syrian army. And he was also, the Bible calls him a valiant soldier. So he was, he had some, prestige. He was a pretty impressive guy, but somehow he contracted leprosy. If you know anything about leprosy in Bible times, it was like, it's bad. It's a death sentence and it's a bad way to die. Basically you rot to death. Your body just begins to fall apart. You're just rotting and your, your fingers would fall off and you're, it's just a terrible, terrible disease that would plague people. And so somehow he contracted this and he wants freedom. He wants healing. And so he's going to try to figure this out and make a long story short, he ends up heading towards Elisha's house to, to receive healing. And actually, Elisha's the one that tells him to come to him. And so he's going to Elisha's house and we'll pick up 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 10. He's on his way there and it says this, Elisha sent a messenger to him, to, to Naaman. So in other words, Elisha doesn't come out to him, he sends a messenger to him. And and this was the message. He said, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Now check this out, verse 11. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God. I love that he says his God, not my God, it's his God. He's ticked off. He says, he'd call on the name of his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. So here's the thing. Naaman thinks it's gonna be a certain way. He has a perception of how God's gonna do what he wants God to do and now it's not going the way he wants it to go. How many of you ever noticed sometimes you want God to do stuff a certain way, it rarely goes the way you want it to go. But God's plans are better than our plans. And so, so he's ticked off about this. He says this in verse 12, are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? In other words, he's saying, I don't wanna dip in the Jordan. The Jordan's nasty, like the Jordan is kind of, it's, it's not a clean river. It's kind of a dirty river. It's, it's like you can't see through it. Like it's like Oklahoma rivers where you put your hand in them and about an inch under the surface, you can't see it anymore and it may completely disappear, that kind of deal. Like you'll never get it back. So he's saying, I don't wanna dip, I don't wanna dip in those. I wanna dip in my, the ones I wanna dip in. He's ticked off. He said, couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a, everybody say this with me, rage. Say it again, 
rage. He's in a rage. And so he's not, he is not intending on doing what the prophet has told him to do, which listen, the prophet is speaking for the Lord. So this is what God's telling him to do. Okay, so this is the word of the Lord for him and he's not gonna do it because it's not going his way. But luckily for him, he had some friends. He wasn't like Elijah. He wasn't isolated. He had some people around him and they began to speak what he needed to hear. It says this in verse 13. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply go and wash and be cured. In other words, they're going, hey, this isn't hard. Like Naaman, this isn't a difficult thing they're asking you to do. In fact, we're going by the Jordan on our way home. Why not just try it? Like, we're not gonna make fun of you, I promise. Just get in there and dip seven times and if it works, awesome. And if it doesn't, well, we'll just kind of move on. And so he, he listens to reason. Look at what it says in verse 14. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times and the man of God, as the man of God had instructed him and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child and he was healed. Why did he get healed? Because he obeyed God, yes. But why did he obey God? Because he had some people around him who were willing to speak to him the truth and point him in the right direction and help him to see and have faith in what the word of God was for his life. Listen, you need godly friendships. Godly friendships lead to healing. He experienced God's healing because he wasn't isolated. And it's interesting because in Proverbs 18, 1, it kind of goes along with this. I thought of this verse this week. It says, the man who isolates himself rages against all wise judgment. And that's what Naaman was doing. He was raging against wise judgment. That's the word of the Lord. But he wasn't isolated. So he was able to receive the wise judgment of God and he was able to receive his healing. Listen, God's placed some people around you to bring healing to you. That people that will speak to you in those moments and go, hey, you're not thinking right. God, look at what God's word says. You need to, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to think. This is how you need to live your life. You need these kind of people. That'll bring healing to your life. The, the Bible talks about how we confess our sins to God for, for forgiveness, but we confess our sins to each other for healing. There, there's this idea in scripture that relationships produce healing. And if you need healing in your life, you need godly friendships in your life. You need close friendships. Okay, so here's what you see. And, and obviously this isn't an exhaustive list here. These are just a few of the benefits that come with godly friendships. But friendships, godly friendships make us better. So we need these kind of friendships. So how do we get them? Well, let me give you four things as we close out today. Four things that you can do that will help you to step into the kind of friendships and, and maybe even ways of thinking that you need to have when it comes to godly friendships. Here's the first one. Chase your future. Number one is chase your future. In other words, you need to identify some people in your life that are where you want to be. You would call these people like hashtag goals people. And you would say, they, that's where I want to be when I'm their age. What they're doing is what I want to be doing when I'm there. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to pursue that. And, and, and notice I said, chase them. Why? Because understand in those relationships, typically you need them more than they need you. Like they're not chasing you because they don't really need what you got, but you need them. So you have to chase them. So, so this is what I do. I, I have a lot of people in my life that I look at them and I identify them as being people that I, I, I say, I want that. Like I, and here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people that are a little bit older. 
that have been married for 30, 40 plus years, that, that are pastors and leaders in the church world that still love God, that are still married to the same woman that they started their ministry with, that, that have kids that were raised in the church world and, and that those kids love the church and they love Jesus. Like the, the, so I wanna get with those people. I wanna, I'm gonna chase them. I'm gonna say, hey, can I, can I get some time with you? Can we go to lunch? Can, I, can, can we connect? Because they got stuff I need, I need. I need what they got to rub off on me. And I'm telling you, some of the most significant moments in my life have come sitting across from tables of, of people who are where I wanna go and them speaking some stuff into me that I needed to hear that was a game changer for me. And, and so, but, but in order for that to happen, I gotta chase it. You get what I'm saying? It's not just gonna happen. Remember, we, we, we said we gotta pursue these things. These relationships you want, you gotta pursue them. If you identify that kind of relationship, you gotta pursue it. Some of you in here, you're a little bit older. And, and what God's calling you to do is, is keep open house. There's maybe some young people in this church that they need what you got. And they're gonna call you up and say, hey, I need to connect with you. And you gotta be open to that. I'm willing to speak into them. We all, we all find ourselves in these places. And you know, one of the things we talk about in, in our tribe men's ministry is, is three of the most basic but important relationships you need in your life. As, as a man, you need a father, you need a brother, and you need a son. And it doesn't mean your son is your physical son. That, that can be it, but it's also people that are learning from you, people that you're walking with, and people that you're learning from, right? We, we need these kind of relationships. So chase, you, you gotta chase your future. Identify some people and say, man, that's what I want. They're, they're, there's goals right there. So I'm gonna chase after them. Here's number two. Schedule time for relationships you care about. We can all agree on this today. We're all busy. I, I guarantee you, you're busy. I know you're busy. But here's the problem with busyness. When we get busy, often what we throw out are the things that are really the most important. And relationships tend to get thrown out when we're busy. I bet, I bet there's some of you in here today and you've got people in your life that you would say, man, that's a close friend of mine. But if you really start to examine it, maybe you haven't talked to that close friend in six months or a year or two years. And you'd say, well, that's a really good friend of mine. I just never talked to him. Why? Because you're busy. You just get busy. And so we have to schedule time for relationships. When was the last time you went on a date with your spouse? When was the last time that you, you, you went to, to breakfast with one of your kids, just you and them? Or when was the last time you, you had a family night where you really invested in your family? Uh, this is something we have to track. And, and here's what happens. If you'll schedule it, if you'll put it on the calendar, it'll happen. But if you don't, it won't. Like a, a few years ago when we were planning New Song Church, uh, we were planning this church and, you know, we moved here and didn't have a job. Like I was planning a church and so money was a little bit tighter and time was busy. And we found ourselves, me and Sarah found ourselves in a season where it was like, man, we haven't been on a date in a while. And so we sat down and we said, okay, how do we fix this? What can we do? And, and we began to identify how we could do this. And here's the plan we came up with. Okay, we're gonna go on one date a month where we go out and we get a babysitter and we're actually gonna go out together and go on a date. And, and, and we're gonna cut these things out so that we can save so we can do that because we care about that more than we care about a latte, right? So we're gonna do these things so we can do that. And then the other thing is we're gonna have one night a week where we go out and then the other night we're gonna, we're gonna do a date night at home. And we'll put the kids you know, to bed or we'll put a movie on for them or whatever. And we're gonna sit down and we're gonna have a special meal for us, which, you know, for Sarah, that's Taco Bueno or whatever. She's, she's great. But we're gonna have a special meal together and just a time where we're just kind of, we're getting away and we're, and just even just making the decision that this is different. 
Like that's important. Uh, so don't, don't give me the excuse you don't have money. No, you don't, you don't have priorities. You can find it if you'll prioritize. So prioritize the relationships that you value, put them on the calendar, and then you'll, you'll do those relationships. You'll spend time in those relationships. Here's number three. Be the friend you want to be. Be the friend you want to have. I, I'd encourage you this week. Here's some homework for you, okay? Write this down if you're taking notes. Uh, make a list of what you're looking for in a friend. Make a list. Okay, let me give you some examples. I want a friend who's there for me in crisis, who listens and cares for me empathetically. Like when I'm talking to them, I don't feel like they're just waiting for me to get done so they can try to impress me with what God's saying to them or whatever. Like they just want to listen, be present in the moment. Like I need friends like that. I need friends who, who step in before I ask. Like here, here you want to know how, who's a good friend? You got to move, like you're moving from your apartment to a house. Who volunteers to help you move? That's a good friend. Like nobody likes to be like, hey, can you help us move? Like that's not fun. It's a lot better when somebody goes, hey, can I help you move? You got somebody to help you move, a moving buddy? Good friend right there. <laughs> but, but who will step in when I, when I have a need? Uh, I, I want friends who affirm me when I doubt myself. Friends who uh, remind me of who I am when I forget. A friend who celebrates my wins and mourns my losses. Who remembers and keeps me pointed towards the things that, that are important to me. I want a friend who trusts me with their secrets and that I can trust with mine. Okay, so these, these are some things I've identified as, as friendship goals for me that I, that I want to find in a friend. So here's how I, how I get that. I, I, I am that. I become that. If you want that, you become that. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 7, you reap what you sow. If you want to be, if you want this, you sow this. You start becoming that. You choose to be that. Not a friend who gossips, not a friend, but, but a, a good friend. And, and like I said earlier, but become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. And I believe this, God's a good steward. I know that to be true. And if you will prove to be a good friend, here's what he's gonna do. He's gonna give you good friends. You can be trusted as a good friend. He's gonna give you good friends and you're gonna see your relationships improve if you'll just simply choose to be a good friend and choose to, uh, to be the friend that you wanna have. Here's number four, get connected, get connected. I want to encourage you to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. You've heard about how important friendships are to your life. Your, your destiny is tied to your relationships. So you need some good relationships. You need some close friends. And, and this is one of the reasons why we here uh, make such a big deal out of serving, make such a big deal out of getting in groups, because we believe that the church is a vehicle that God uses to help you to experience the family of God in this world. That we're called to be the to, to, as a church family to go out and, and make a difference and God puts us together so we can connect but listen some of you you just come and you, you come and you sit in a row and you go out in the lobby and you talk for 5-10 minutes and then you go home and that's it and listen you're not going to have close relationships if that's the way you do it there, there, was, a, there was a study that was done not too long ago in churches and, and it said that 50% of people in churches said that they have no real uh, relationships with people within the church like they don't feel like they're really connected to anybody but they took that same stat and they applied it to people that were in groups and the stat went up to 90%. That's a pretty good point there. So if you're connected, you get in a group and you, you take that step to get more connected and you actually will become more connected. Funny, you pursue relationships and you get them. Funny how that works. Hebrews 10 says this, look at this with me. 
It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Do you consider that? Do you consider how you can spur one another on? How you can help other people? Is that a consideration of your life at all? Not giving up meeting together. That word meeting there means actually meeting for spiritual purposes. Not giving up meeting for spiritual purposes together as some are in the habit of doing. Listen, this has been going on for a long time where people are just kind of going through the motions. Don't go through the motions. But we encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. God has called us to be close. He wants you to be connected He wants you to be spurring other people on. He wants to surround you with people that are spurring you on. God has this for you, but you have to pursue it. And so my encouragement to you is get connected. We have these opportunities. Listen, when we talk about groups, when we talk about serving, we're not just trying to pad the numbers of the church. We're trying to provide opportunities for you to make connection because we know it'll change your life. I look around this room and I see all sorts of people in this room who I've seen get connected in the church and I've seen God totally change their life need this. Me and Sarah are in a group and every other Monday we have our group. And let me, can I be real with you for a moment? Is that cool? You guys cool with that? Okay. A lot of times on Monday, I don't feel like going to group. I don't. Because here, church is on Sunday. I'm worn out. I preach three messages. I, I, I go on Monday and I start, you know, I'm wrapping up the weekend. I'm preparing for the next week. I get done on Monday. A lot of times I'm just kind of done. And, and I feel like, I don't really feel like going to group, but you know what happens? I go because it's, it's, it's important to me. I know it's important to God, so I do it. I go because I value it, so I go. And I go even when I don't feel like it because I don't live by how I feel. So I go and here's what happens. I leave better than I came into it. Every week, every week we get in the car. I swear every week we get in the car and we're like, man, that was so good. And some weeks I receive ministry and sometimes I give ministry, but every week I go home revived because I've connected with some people face to face. And some of our best friends are in our group. People that when we started, we didn't know them real well, but now like one of them, we're sending our son on a 12 day vacation with him this summer. Like that's a big thing for Sarah. Listen, so, but I want you to understand like this is, God has this for you, but you gotta, you gotta pursue it. My encouragement to you is get in a group. In the lobby today, you're gonna find cards out there that talk about groups that you can get in. You can go to our new song app. You can sign up to get in a group. You can go to newsongpeople.com slash groups. You can look at the different groups there. Get in a group. I'm not telling you get in every group. No, 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 no don't do that. That's dumb. But get in some groups. Get in a men's group. Get in a tribe group. Get, get in a, a his group. Go to these events that we talk about. The his, the his night the other night, ladies, if you were there, it was incredible. The message that Sarah taught on jealousy, everybody in our church needs to hear that. If you didn't hear it, go to the podcast and listen to it. But we do these things because we're trying to make connections with you. And we're trying to not just connect you to, to Jesus because that's great. We're also trying to connect you to each other. That's why we do this stuff. So do it. And some of you, listen, some of you, I believe God's calling you to host a group. He's calling you to host. And when we talk about hosting a group, here's what we mean. This is host. We have an acronym for it. H-O-S-T. Host means that you have a heart for people. That's a good start right there. You actually kind of give a rip about human beings. (laughs) Start there. You too, you open up your home. Be willing. The Bible says you have an open house, right? You don't have to, not all the time, but time to time you open up your home. Serve a snack. Notice it doesn't say serve a gourmet meal. 
You don't have to serve a gourmet meal. You open up a can of Oreo or Pringles and a bag of Oreos, you're good. Cracks and LaCroix, we're good, right? And then and then know at least two people. If this, if that's doable for you, then you can be a host. We'll give you the question. We're not asking you to get up and preach, prepare a message every couple weeks. We're just asking you to to read a piece of paper with a bunch of people and to talk and to connect. And, and there's just something that happens. Something powerful happens when you get out of these rows and you get into these circles. When you get into a kid's class and you connect with somebody else and you have a goal that day of, okay, we're in a twos and threes class. We're in a twos and threes class, but we're gonna make it happen. We're gonna do it. We're together in this. We're gonna make it. There's something powerful that takes place when you take on that heart. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thank you, Jesus, for surrounding us with people. Lord, I believe that there's people in this room this morning that are the answer to somebody else's prayer. There are relational connections that are gonna take place in this church that are, gonna, that are divine, that are gonna breathe life into people's stories, that are gonna help write the next chapters of some of our stories. Lord, thank you for that. I pray, Lord, I rec- we recognize today that our destiny is tied to our relationships. And so God, we're gonna choose our relationships carefully and we're gonna choose to be the friends you've called us to be in Jesus' name. Lord, we're gonna lead with love. We're gonna speak the truth. We're gonna chase our future. We're gonna get connected. We're gonna be open. We're gonna schedule time with relationships that matter. We're gonna, we believe that through these relationships, you're gonna heal us. You're gonna revive us and you're gonna sharpen us in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.